Good evening, Patriots, and it's Wednesday, May 18th in the year 2022, and we're going to have some interesting things to go over tonight. You can really see a lot of desperation evolving out of this time, and I think we really need to keep things framed well for ourselves. I think one of the best framings right now is probably Matthew 13, 24 to 30, which is weeds among wheat. We'll go over that as well. Before we begin tonight, make sure you're keeping your immune system strong. And that is important right now with all the stress and the various other elements in our environment that they're trying to do all they can to wear you down and make you sick, especially with some new arising threats now of monkeypox. We'll talk about that in a minute. But do keep your immune system strong. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune systems strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at ExpeditionCoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. The people we're dealing with are bent on evil. They hate everybody that isn't like them or isn't obeying them. It's just probably better said. And they'll do anything they can to dice up the opposition in their mind, which is us, and frame it so that we constantly become the problem. And, of course, that's just a process of reflection. Take a listen to this short piece. It was just a guest on MSNBC talking about what the Democrat strategy needs to be doing. First, let me answer. You started off this premise of how does Tucker Carlson get three million viewers every night? A recent morning consult poll said that 23 percent of Republican males are okay with white nationalist, white supremacist views. That's one in four Republican males and nine percent of all Americans. So there's an audience out there. It's still a fringe. It's still a minority, but it's a fringe. What the Democrats need to do, and it's so obvious at this point, is brand them with it, is basically take this replacement theory. And now make it the Republican racist replacement theory. Make every Republican answer, do you believe in it or not? Brand every Republican, this is the party of the replacement theory. Take what is a 
sliver or I'm a real minority, but a minority, and make it the entire raison d'etre of the Republican Party. Do the same thing with violence. It's the RV party. It's the Republican violence party. Brand them, the very, this is judo, the very, very heinous things that they stand for and are hiding behind, brand them on it. Take a branding iron, put it on them so that any mainstream Republican has to wear that badge and go, are you voting Republican? Do you understand you're voting for the replacement theory? Do you believe in that? Is that what you stand for? Do you believe that immigrants are coming over to replace white people and it's part of a Jewish cabal playing this whole thing and through interracial marriage? Do you believe, because that's the Republican platform. So make the Republicans own it. Miles, you've got some money. <laughs> that's good. A lot of truth in that. A lot of truth in that last little piece there about it's a conspiracy I'm telling you right now, these people, you can, the thing is that in desperation, if that's what we're going to call it, arrogance, desperation, a little bit of both, they're revealing their whole hand. The question is, will people buy it? As we talked about in the last hour, there's so much reflection going on out there through social media and conditioning in through bots and stovepiping. It's going to take a continual effort for people to break away and to interact on a social media level that's real and sincere. I guess I should probably use the term authentic. One of the challenges right now is how that happens. Of course, a lot of the scuttlebutt right now is around true social. And the problem with true social at this point in time is it's just a parking lot for everybody kind of the same mindset. Gab probably has more discussions going on overall, but still we're, we're finding more and more that these platforms are very much about people just expressing the same things and they're aligning together because they want to find common views. The original principle of a place like Twitter was that there was a wide debate supposedly going on in what is a digital public square, and we don't really have that at this point in time. And so it's one of the efforts of going back to why we need to face people, have actual conversations with people, and not rely on what's put before us. Now I'm going to play a piece here, and this is a it's a piece, it's a, a script from a sitcom. I want you to hear some of this red pill stuff they drop in here. You don't have to agree with everything. I don't know if I agree with everything, but it's sure as heck gives you a... a one slam dunk of everything that's going on in our world in, a, in just under a minute. So take a listen to this. Okay, this red pill comes from Nick. It's the greatest thing ever. I win. Cheryl, it's not a race. That's what losers say. What is that? The truth. time a new baby is born, the Federal Reserve issues a secret birth certificate printed by a company called the American Bank. That way, the government can use people as currency to back the debt they have with the World Economic Forum, which owns the central banks of every nation on Earth. But the WEF is just a front for the Council on Foreign Relations, which mm -hmm. masterminded the 9-11 attacks as a pretext to invade Iraq, take the oil, and install fast food chains to make people slow, fat, and easily abductable by the shape-shifting reptilian aliens it works with. Now, 
Back in the 30s, FDR made a deal with these reptilians to exchange people for technology. That was the basis of the New Deal. But ever since, they've been slowly replacing all the world leaders to create a nuclear holocaust to make global warming real for their takeover. That's how they made up the Cold War, by sending Laika to space to bite Neil Armstrong while Kubrick was faking the moon landing. Now they're using satellite waves, contrails, and measles vaccines as mind control, and fluoridating the water to keep people's gold fillings intact so they can be sent back to, you guessed it, the Federal Reserve where all the gold and birth certificates are stored by the real puppet master, the world monarch, who is himself only the servant of the all-seeing eye who controls everything in the world. Damn! That's a red pill. <laughs> that's, a lot of, that's a lot of information in about under a minute. You don't have to agree with the reptilians, though sometimes when I look at Nancy Pelosi, I'm pretty sure the reptilians exist, just so we're clear. Especially when, I, when she does that tongue thing, whichever that is, it just creeps me out totally. But, you know, the, the fact is that what was in there is a lot of truth. And this is sort of the world that we've grown up in. And it's happened because we've become dependent, reliant, and trusting in institutions. And trust is at the center point of everything that we're dealing with. We're born, we were actually born under maritime law, hence your birth of lading, which is your birth certificate, which then gives you a right to enter through the port, which is the hospital. And then that birth certificate is logged as collateral for debt, which they will create, which is put on our shoulders. All of that's the basis of the of this law that we're forced under that we're never really educated on or told about. Central banks, Federal Reserve, all of these things, these the Council of Foreign Relations, all of these entities are true and exist. And it, at some point, as you ascend up the pyramid, you go from the council of 300 to the council of, of 13, ultimately to the, the singular monarch or all-seeing eye, which is what their symbolism is all over the world. It's even on our money. These things are hard truths. And within that, you have the various elements that get, obviously, the layers of complexity between the Jesuits, the, the secret societies, the, the black pope, the white pope, the Khazars or the Khazarian Mafia, all of these layers are in there in the background pulling the strings on all of this and doing it in a way that ultimately waters down to something as sim- as seemingly simple and innocuous as Twitter where you are, people are interacting with that, thinking that they're participating in town hall discussions when the entire time it's an orchestrated production, it's a script to lead people to a certain way. None of that was God's plan. And so much of that has happened as we've migrated into a world where we have found it compelling to engage in a global discussion on things, never seeing a face, always trusting an an avatar as if it is real. And I don't really know how we leaped into that. That's the part that's stunning to me is how deeply trusting people are in a digital avatar, which then leads you to this next step, right? And the next step is that step of metaverse. We as a, as a people, I've said this and I, I stand by this. I truly believe we have quantum souls. And when you study quantum physics and you look at the potentiality of what we have, you consider the faith of a mustard seed and the ability for us as Christ has told us that we can literally move a mountain from here to there. 
That's the ability for us to to manifest realities. That's not new agey stuff. That's in to me, it is straight up within scripture. If we apply the science that's real, not this Fochi garbage that we're were put there. And I and as I've read so many times on the show, Mark or Luke ten nineteen and John fourteen twelve, those are templates to the powers and gifts that were given on this earth, and yet we don't enact them and we don't lean into them and we don't trust in them. And so we're it leaves us vulnerable to the many sorts of control elements that they throw at us, always channeling towards fear anxiety, anger, hatred, division, all the negatives that produce a, essentially a shockwave that disrupts our relationship with God. And that's at the core so much of our weakness, and our weakness is our inability to stay true in all that we do with God. That's the real challenge right there. So I'm going to play a couple other pieces I want you to hear. This one is is very important, and it's kind of at the um, the core of the fight that we're headed into. This is from Mark Dice, and it's about a five-minute piece on transhumanism, an excellent piece. Take a listen. Developing transhumanist technology to accomplish this. Another top scientist, Dr. Richard Seed, a geneticist, issued this warning for anyone who would dare to try to stop him. We are going to become gods, period. If you don't like it, get off. You don't have to contribute. You don't have to participate. But if you're going to interfere with me becoming God, you're going to have big trouble. Then we'll have warfare. That is the very mindset that people like Bill Gates and the executives at Google have. They are evil. Not just megalomaniacal billionaires with God complexes. They're evil. The kind of evil the Bible warns about. The kinds of people who, at their very core, are satanic. Transhumanist philosopher Zoltan Eisvon believes that teaching children the Bible should be banned and suggests that it should be a crime for anyone trying to hold up the transhumanist revolution. In his novel, The Transhumanist Wager, the transhumanists are targeted by Christian terrorists who are fundamentally opposed to the technology, much like the terrorist group Rift in Johnny Depp's Transcendence, who hoped to prevent him and other scientists from achieving the singularity, fearing that it would be a disaster for mankind. Not long after the film's release, Stephen Hawking warned against the creation of artificial intelligence, saying it could be mankind's biggest mistake and expressed fears that it may enslave or exterminate us. Billionaire tech guru Elon Musk once warned that creating an AI would be like summoning a demon, but his company Neuralink is designing BMIs, brain-machine interfaces, to physically wire the internet into people's brains for the planned transhumanist revolution. He's also developing an AI system and believes that the only way that humans will be able to successfully survive the creation of an artificially intelligent system or entity or whatever you want to call it is to physically merge with it. Google and Facebook are also working on creating an artificially intelligent entity. Google's executives want the company to be more than just a search engine and smartphone operating system, more than an ebook store and a place to stream music and movies, more than something that runs smart home gadgets and medical devices. They want it to become an all-knowing god. Rick Kurzweil actually said that Google is trying to build a God. When asked if God exists, he responds, 
not yet. He was hired by Google in 2012 to work full-time on artificial intelligence and transhumanist tech and is, like I said, one of the most well-known proponents of transhumanism. Then they want to wire Google directly into the brains of humans through neural interfaces or BMIs, brain-machine interfaces, creating a new hybrid species of what they believe will be superhumans or transhumans. It sounds like the plot out of the Matrix, but the world's largest corporations and wealthiest tech titans are literally working towards doing just that. They don't want to just alter the DNA and use nanotechnology to stop the aging process. They want to literally upload the totality of their mind into the cloud or a silicone-based hard drive so that their supposed consciousness can be downloaded into a cybernetic body, believing that that is the key to immortality and transcendence. Dr. Jose Delgado, a neurophysiologist at Yale in the 1960s, carried out experiments wiring electrodes into the brains of animals. Building on his work almost 20 years later, scientists had built a brain implant that lets monkeys control a robot arm with their thoughts, marking the first time in history that mental thoughts and intentions had been harnessed. Since then, the device has been tested on humans. Just look up BrainGate. Ray Kurzweil believes that by the year 2099, neural interfaces will be surgically implanted into almost everyone, and that humans who don't get the implant won't be able to meaningfully understand those who do because they'll be like gods plugged into Google and we'll just be old-fashioned humans. Such megalomaniacal goals seem like science fiction and have been the plot of various films like The Lawnmower Man and Transcendence, but these people are serious. From Ray Kurzweil to Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates, this is their goal. This is their life's mission. They, along with Dr. Richard Seed and others, believe that, like Satan told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God the Creator is holding back divine powers of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and that they too can become like God. It's the ultimate deception. It's Bible prophecy unfolding before our very eyes. Google's former motto was, don't be evil, a phrase that was included in their official code of conduct. But in 2018, they quietly removed all references to it. And sadly, more every day, that's exactly what they are becoming. You see, behind the fun of games and sarcasm and jokes, I'm actually a very serious person. And if I were to reveal everything that I know, it might be a little bit too much for some people to handle. But if you really want to know, you should read my books because that's where my uncensored hardcore research is and it's all fully sourced so you can verify it for yourself. So order my book, Hollywood Propaganda, How TV, Movies, and Music Shape Our Culture in paperback from Amazon.com or pick up The Liberal Media Industrial Complex or The True Story of Fake News, How Mainstream Media Manipulates Millions or download the ebooks from any of the major ebook stores. And of course, there's a link to the Amazon listing in the description below. So click it and head on over there and check them out. That's Mark Dice. It's good. He does some good research. I think the question that comes from all of this is how do we get here? How did we get here? How do we get to a place where people were so willing and compelled to literally worship artificial gods? And it, it's, a, it's one of the clues was something that Mark said in his piece, which is they're talking about the powers that God has withheld from us. That's a Satan's trick. That's like saying that, that's like Satan coming back and making a plea that he wants to get back with God, that he was misunderstood. There was no misunderstanding. So the, the trick here is that it's being played on so many people, and it's the superhero complex. And with that, we've seen that actually in, in tweets. We've seen that in, these, in other people 
to compel people to look at their that like being on social media is to embrace their superhero uh, and we've seen it in the in the comic strips to be a superhero to be this being that somehow you're not as i've said you I know mean, very much in the world that we are those are parlor tricks by comparison to what god is but this is the alluring that goes into the culture of me and when we go on this full blown assault within a culture of me and we've infected the churches statistic from last night 13% of youth pastors um, are do not are only 13% of youth pastors hold a bible world view only 37 of the pastors at the pulpit hold a bible world view we begin to understand what's happening to our world that they have corrupted it at all the key nodes of influence that would have kept us on path. What does that tell us? And what it tells us is that we cannot be dependent on others, but we must maintain the intimacy with God and through Christ, each one of us. I think that's one of the most profound things that we don't put enough time into. And that's through the crucifixion. What were we given? We were given access to God through Christ and that means it now becomes individual. It is not about needing a temple. And I know that doesn't fly well with people that are deeply committed to a church. I'm not denouncing churches per se, but it, to me, it doesn't have typically the relationship and the intimacy when God, when someone's telling you how to believe. That's individually each of us pursuing that, into, that intimacy with Christ. And that's a big part of our challenge. When we take the intimacy away and we're floating out here and we're, and we're having to rely on a Wednesday night or a Sunday check-in to keep our moral compass, we're now left with five days to be susceptible to their propaganda and all their attempts to put wedges of fear and anxiety between God and us. That doesn't have to ever be if we're literally truly walking with our armor and truly appreciating what Christ told us in Matthew 13, 24 to 30. So let me read this because this is tars among wheat. And it begins, Jesus presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tars among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tars became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tars? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Do you Want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no. For while you are gathering up the tars, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow them to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tars and bind them in bundles to burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. There's a lot in that parable, like all parables in scripture. I think there's a great lesson for us to remember that we were essentially told, and more than a warning, we were told, because it was compared to the kingdom of heaven, and heaven is here on earth, as as has been said. 
that they, we have now tars growing weeds, if you will, growing among the wheat. It is up to us to be able to discern. The problem is that as we grow along so much, we, we grow up and where everything looks the same, like it would be at the beginning. If you have ever had to weed out things in your garden when you have new seedlings growing, if you do some direct seeding is a really good example of this. You have to let things grow up to be able to discern what is actually what you want, your plants that you've grown in seed and those that may have infected it through weeds or maybe some, maybe there was seeds from the compost that have, have taken time to germinate. You have to define what it is. That's part of the responsibility of where we are today is that we are now at a place in our life where we can discern where the enemy is, we can discern where the tars are among the wheat. If we are foolish enough to feed on the tars, then we deserve the consequence in a certain sense. We bring it upon ourselves that we see the tars and we choose not to identify them, the difference between the wheat, and then we're wondering why we get sick or why we're, not mal, or why we're malnourished. And that's a metaphor even in, in being malnourished in spirit. It also is a statement in, in to me when I read this parable. It's very important to remember that somebody has the foresight to understand that there's going to come a time that we need to bundle up and burn off the tars and gather and separate the wheat for the barn. The slaves are going to be very dutiful to that in this parable, meaning that there's going to be many people that may not have the full discernment that we each have gained, and each one of us has a discernment that God's given us. But it's important that we share that discernment and provide, and as we can, share the wisdom that God gives us so that we can literally help others in this path to discern between what they're being influenced by, we'll use the TARS metaphor, versus where God wants us to be. There's big things coming. I've been saying it, but they're coming. And they're stacking up and getting ready to shake the world again with a number of things. I want to go through a couple of pieces here. First, I want to cue up alien invasion. This is a, a setup here, just a discussion about this whole this, this whole alien UFO thing. They're setting up for their one of their next plays, which is on their script, which is going to be some sort of alien invasion. Listen to all the framing of how they talk about this UFPs, unidentified flying objects or something, UFOs, basically. Listen to how they're framing the discussion and leaving the option, the, the component open that it could be something from outer space that's going to come land and take us over. Take a listen. On Capitol Hill, the search for answers to the unexplained. Yeah, a series of unidentified aerial phenomena spl uh, spotted by military pilots or what most of us might call UFOs. So Congress is holding a public hearing on them right now. And ABC's Martha Raddatz has all the details. It was the videos that were impossible to ignore, and so were the witnesses. Released by the military in 2020, you hear stunned Navy pilots off California's coast in 2015 wondering out loud what the heck they were seeing in the skies. Former Navy pilot Ryan Graves telling GMA the encounters with these physics-defying objects became almost routine. We were seeing them nearly every day that we were flying. Um, 
we were going out there to do our normal training missions, uh, so we weren't necessarily going out there to track these uh, these objects. According to a U.S. official, defense officials plan to play videos like these to demonstrate how investigators try to determine and explain what is going on. More than 140 encounters reported by military personnel. My gosh. We're going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. The government report released last year finding a definitive explanation for only one of the encounters, but ruling out that any of the objects were part of any secret government technology or classified black program. So what might they be? A few possible explanations. Counterintelligence devices by potential adversaries or something created by the military's own highly sensitive sensor equipment. These unidentified aerial vehicles basically can do things that no earthbound vehicle can do. We don't know how to do them. And it's really the appropriate thing that the Navy basically said, yep, these pictures are real. They were pinging our radars, but we don't know what they are. The words alien or extraterrestrial were not found anywhere in the government report, but they were not ruled out either. The Pentagon says today's hearings, while it may not find new answers, will help with how these reports are handled. It's about organizing around the effort so that there's a, a common collection process for how these reports get brought into the system, how they get analyzed, uh, how they get investigated, and then how they get adjudicated. Taurus among the wheat. This is what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with people who themselves have decided a destiny for humanity. And that destiny for humanity is one of enslavement at, for their benefit and for our sacrifice. And so the way to avoid being identified is to point the finger outward into something fantastical. They've conditioned people's minds to expect an alien invasion. All you have to do is do a search for those sorts of films that come out of Hollywood. All of that is deep programming. All of that is preparation for the end. None of it deals with scripture. None of it deals with a relationship with God. But that's just it, is that God has become this sort of sidecar like you have on a motorcycle. And I don't, again, it's amazing how we've gotten here because we do this check-in and I, and I use the format of the church as the check-in, which I think is a, is a good way of kind of framing it, which is Wednesday and Sunday. And if you're, if you have time, you go on Wednesday, you always go on Sunday, but in between time, we're going to walk around. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll maybe pray a little bit at dinner. And there's not a constant ongoing conversation with the Lord. Jesus isn't seen as something that we're intimately tied with. It's just like, oh, he sacrificed, man, he's gone out of here, and yep, he'll come back someday. In the meantime, all of our sins are forgiven. We, we forget the, the, what the true essence of the armor of God is, which is the living and breathing entity of living, I should say, living and breathing with Christ in a full body, in a full relationship. And all of this stuff falls apart then. But when you don't have it and you're, you don't have that foundation, that rock of faith, then your house is literally built on the rock of, on the foundation of sand. And you then, as things are told, your mind starts to go and we start to imagine and, and let things drift out there. And of course, you're, we're going to be told again, again about this sort of thing. And then suddenly it's going to appear. I don't know what form it's on their script. I don't even know how they're going to roll it out. But they're setting up their script and they're setting up their script to have this encounter 
but they're also setting up the script on many other levels. Remember what I said at the beginning, which is at the core of everything is that what they do is to try to break trust anywhere. So as an example, I don't know what these things are. I don't care. If they're a technology that exists in this plane that we exist in, then there's going to be a, an automatic suspect that this can't possibly be something that we could have. They want to keep you channeled in always to what they're telling you and not limit and limit you to where your growth is and realizing what the true potential of who we are is. The WHO Treaty is another one, and it's coming up. If you haven't heard, monkeypox is on the menu. Take a listen to this thing about the WHO Treaty. Have you heard about the WHO Pandemic Treaty? So what exactly is in this treaty? It is an agreement on pandemic preparedness that would grant the WHO absolute power over global biosecurity, such as the power to implement digital identities, vaccine passports, mandatory vaccinations, travel restrictions globally, standardized medical care, and so much more. But let's be specific about what this treaty does, because it gives enormous powers to the WHO in the case of a pandemic. But it also allows for just about anything to be called a pandemic. Quote, this treaty includes 190 countries and would be legally binding. The treaty defines and classifies what is considered a pandemic, and this could consist of broad classifications, including an increase in cancers, heart conditions, strokes, etc. If a pandemic is declared, the WHO takes over the global health management of the pandemic. What's more here, the WHO would be in full control over what gets called a pandemic. They could dictate how doctors can respond, which drugs can and cannot be used, or which vaccines are approved. And that's just it, is they can control everything. So it's no surprise that on the cusp of the May 22nd vote that we have monkeypox surfacing. But don't worry, because, and this is a true report, apparently monkeypox is only infecting those that are gay and primarily infecting men that are gay and bisexual. As long as you're not that, I think you're going to be pretty safe. And I'm not making that up. So... The thing to understand truly is how they've woven this grid between the birth certificate and all these pieces. They made us dependent on these sort of interactions. I want you to hear this piece on the control grid, but I want you to pay special attention to the end, and then we'll pick that up and about the exchange of commerce if you're outside the grid. Control grid's an interesting thing. A lot of people don't realize what they're involved in. Just the simple fact of using credit cards, using smartphones, and all of this automated system is the problem. People don't realize what it is. This, this system we're being led into is the new world order in itself. The 5G smart grid is the new world order, the Internet of Things. It's the new world order. People don't really understand how that works, but what it's about is monitoring every single aspect of your life. The smart grid is being presented to people as this thing that's going to be highly beneficial to us. You know, you'll only be using the electricity that you use, you'll only be paying for that, all this sort of stuff. So it's been presented as a really positive thing. But what it will do, it will put a dollar value on absolutely every aspect of your life. So that every time you turn on a tap, the credit goes, every time you turn on a light, every time you watch your TV, every time you boil your jug, every time you do anything, there's a dollar value attached to it. There's an interesting TV show that came out um, a couple of years ago called Black Mirror, and they had one episode of that where everybody, the only job they had was running on a treadmill or pin, spinning a bike and just to accumulate credits, and they had to pay for every single action that they performed. And that's what the smart grid is. That's what we're being led into. And it's all about digital currency and control of everything. 
And if you're someone who lives a slightly alternate lifestyle, say you grow a few vegetables and you give some to your, your neighbours or you do a little bit of massage for someone or you do a bit of tarot reading or something like this, the only way you're going to be able to get paid for that once the smart grid comes online is through the transfer of digital credits, which means the government will get a tax. You'll have to put it on your income tail or everything will be monitored. That's what it's about, complete blanket surveillance of every single action people are doing. It's interesting to me how many times that we keep hearing the doom that's coming. And it's the doom that's coming because, again, just like the slaves in in, what, in Jesus' parable, they want to just shred the whole field because they can't distinguish the tars from the wheat. Here's my point. You hear about these dooms of the trap of the matrix. We hear about the potentials of the apparently this alien invasion of, tra- of technologies. We hear about the WHO treaty that's going to take everything over. We hear about transhumanism as a destiny for humanity. We hear about all of these things. We even have a framework of the, basically the red pill of how when we come to, to birth, we have a, a, a birth certificate, they, they leverage us for debt. All of that works when we accept their system as the way to move forward. But when we stop engaging, none of this has any effect. What does God say? Fear not. How many times? Over 350 times. God says, fear not. Well, what does that really mean in application? If we're putting our true trust in God and we're trusting in him in this walk on earth, then why are we constantly reverting back to trusting in the words and the fears and the anxieties that they're presenting to us and trying to put into our head? Anybody walking right now should understand very clearly, if you're walking with Christ, we're not of this world. We are not intended to be of this world. So the question you have to ask yourself is, if you're being affected by these things, why? Because this is the trap. The trap is, and it is the world, the trap, that we are creating so much of this ourselves. Remember what I said at the beginning, I do believe that we're quantum souls. Well, here's something about quantum and why it's important to appreciate it. If you take a quantum state and you're not looking at it, all possibilities exist within a single state of, of a quantum, of a, of a moment in something in the quantum field. All possibilities, which are infinite. The minute that you look at it, a, say, for example, a moving atom as an example, the minute that you look at it, it takes on the state which you see it as. Okay? What are we doing? We are literally in this world. We're letting them tell us what the state of the world is, and in doing so, we are making it reality. Where, where does prayer come into all this? And it's amazing. Because when we are living in prayer and living in the intimate relationship with God, we have the infinite. What does he tell us? He tells us again and again, not only to fear not, but that he will provide us with all that we need. But how often do we truly trust in that? We'll say that, we say the words, but then we turn around and go, oh man, man, I I better be on time for my job. I better comply with the vax or I might lose my job and then I'll lose my mortgage and I'll lose this. And we, we build this cascade of a narrative that has nothing to do with the relationship in God. When we look at the proportion of the energy and, and economic finances and economic engines that they apply towards trying to convince us 
to do certain things. I find that the most telling of all of this is that if we truly, truly were so easy to conquer, why do they spend so many trillions of dollars and so many millions of hours developing propaganda to convince us otherwise, to convince us that we are slaves, to convince us that we must buy something, to convince us to vote for a certain leader, to convince us to worship a certain singer? Because we're really not that easily duped. And the true control comes over us when we use our free will. But our free will is like, the, it, it is truly the keel on the ship. The thing is that we don't trust in God enough and we let that be influenced so that the ship takes off its course. This whole thing to me is always so easy and it goes back to the tars among the wheat, the parable. We're now able to see them. It, they're in plain view. Is that because the white hats behind the scenes are doing some magic kabuki dance and they're, and they're arresting them? None of the, it, that doesn't even matter. What The only thing that is true to us right now is God has given us an opportunity as we've leaned into him to see the world more clearly. And I think if each one of us ask, answers this question honestly, we would agree on one thing. The farther we've pushed into God, the deeper we've sought the intimate relationship through Christ the more clear the world has become. That's the gift. And in so, it's allowing us to arrive to the point where we can bind the tars and we can gather the wheat and put it in the barn. There's no greater gift that we could ask for, and God has given us that. Getting wrapped up in the debates of if the who's going to take sovereignty, if the alien invasion is going to happen, if aliens are real, if there's going to be a, if we're going to get locked into the control grid and not trade, I'm not going to worry about getting money from my neighbor. If I give my neighbor something, I'm giving him something because it's part of me loving thy neighbor as I love myself. And I know that that will be reciprocated. And there again is a transformation of the model. We keep trying to work within their framework to find a solution out. You're not going to change the game. God is offering us a direction to go that's ultimately pinned on some very fundamental issues. And again, love thy neighbor as I love thyself. Give voice to those that don't have a voice and protect the innocent. And understand that there's a time that you have to flip tables as much as you have to love and heal. And when we understand that framework in life, it doesn't apply to this world that we're in. We have built up these mountains of fears the idea that you're going to have a Gestapo at your door, kicking it in, dragging you outside on the lawn, pinning you down and injecting you with something. That's never happened yet. And I won't tell you it won't, but it, it definitely won't happen as long as we stay vigilant in our relationship with God. But if we're going to continue to let them write the stories for us, I guarantee we'll end up there. And we will end up there even if people saying, yes, but I believe in God. It won't matter because you've given up the deepest part of that relationship to fear and anxiety, which they put in your head. When you're in a conflict and a real war and that first round goes off above your head, when that IED explodes next to your vehicle or explodes next to you on the trail, real stories, by the way, when those things happen, you have a moment that you swallow. You feel like you're swallowing your stomach. 
you get a big old lump in your throat. But your focus on where you need to be in that moment is what carries you. And you can you have a choice every time that happens. You have a choice in the split of the trail. You can go down the path of focus and righteousness and 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 move past the, the, the contact, regroup, and come back and assault the target, or you can collapse in fear and succumb to the enemy's will. It's the same every time. We are now as a society, as a nation, in that same place. We are in the valley of decision, and we have to make a decision of whether we're going to continue to listen and play with this narrative garbage that they're putting in us and letting it shape our output and shape our view of where the future is, or if we're simply going to buckle down and say, yeah, thanks for the information. It's a comedy show I'm watching, but I've already got my ticket, and I punched my ticket with Christ, and that's where I'm walking, and that's where I'm going to be, and nothing's going to shake me from it. And when we're that resolved and that intimate, all the other things start to fall into place. And everything else that they put on us, all the nuances of trying to keep us fighting one another, and they have so many layers of this, constantly weaving so that we're debating one another. People are getting passionate about this way. The world looks this way. This is what's truth. This isn't what's truth. And we forget all along that we're part of one body in Christ. We see the world a bit differently. But as long as we keep the biblical worldview of where we're going, we're all walking together. And we have the exchanges to learn and to grow. But none of this other stuff should ever have an impact. Because in the end of the day, like we've said, we want to be able to gather up the tars and bind them. And we want to be able to gather the wheat and put it in the barn. And that's only going to happen when we allow discernment to settle in and we let God's wisdom overcome, overtake us and we are, have the trust in the eyes to see and the ears to hear that he gives us. Let's pray. Father, come to you tonight just very humbled and very blessed at the same time for all that we have been given in this time to see clearly in this world. There are so many pieces that over time truths will ultimately be revealed. And we just pray for this, the simple focus of minds tonight, to stop with the division and the arguments of pettiness and focus truly on the intimate relationship with you. The obsession over things that are absolutely true and absolutely fixed, only you know those truths. But as we rest our heart truly in this walk with you, we find that the world unveils and and it becomes more clear for our eyes to see. And we thank you for that. Father, in this time of so much chaos, we just pray for the, the calm of the mind, the calm of the heart, the calm of the soul. To seek what is truly pure. To seek the wisdom that you place before us. And to just seek that balance in life that sets aside all the influences and all the drama and all the crazy to settle into a pure path that ultimately allows us to see the tars amongst the wheat and to sow the seeds for now and the future generations and seasons. Guide us and protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, patriots, don't let the world spin around you too fast. <laughs> it's another illusion.
Just keep your head focused on that deep and intimate relationship with God. So much of what we are dealing with right now is intentional to shape the outcomes and to make us the responsible party for creating the disasters. I've already decided that's not my walk and not my game. And I hope you'll do the same. This is not a game I'm going to play any more than a game that any of us should play. Let me close with this piece. I played it earlier tonight, but I think it's worth playing again. I love this analogy. We are basically bees in a jar and somebody's shaking it and we're getting all worked up and we're fighting each other and we don't even know why. Instead of fighting the person who's shaking the jar, we're going at each other. And that's all done by design. These big scary headlines about food shortages and fires and war and bombs is all done by design to keep people in a fearful mode. Because what do fearful people do? They panic. And what do panic people do? They make poor decisions and they look for a savior. They look for somebody to come in and help them and save them. So then what does the government do? They come out with stimulus checks, right? They make all kinds of promises during campaign season, right? They create the problem and then they come out like a hero with the solution. And people are so scared that they just eat it up. So what if we just stopped being scared? And what if we just thought logically? What if we just stopped? And what if we just stopped? That's awesome. Don't play the game because the game is rigged. We're a remnant. We need to walk like it. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Our prayers need to continue to seek that deep and intimate relationship with Jesus. He's there. He's waiting. Waiting to be invited in. And is there to walk with us through the entire day. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. Be fearless. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove That we could stand here too All the nights through fight for all we had to lose reaching out for something to pull us up to level ground oh i can see it now i can see it now
Thank、you.